Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are starting the week off on a mixed note. Tokyo is in the red, down a quarter percent in early trade. Seoul is trading higher. The Kospi is up nearly half a percent. And Sydney is in the middle, trading flat in early action. U.S. markets close this evening for a public holiday as the U.S. celebrates its end of summer Labor Day weekend. Joining me now as we break down all the market action is Mr. Ryan Huang. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. How was yours, Michelle? I attended the one bash to rule them all. The one bash? What was that? My brother Daniel's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy belated birthday, Daniel. <laughs> I won't say how old he is because that'll age me even more. Yes, so it was really good. What did you do? Yeah, the usual time with the kid, just going for inline skating lessons at East Coast Park. And of course, it was very busy because this is the September school holidays week. So I think if, if you look at the traffic, it might be lighter as usual than usual. So that was us uh, trying to learn something new over the weekend. That's fantastic. And did the kid take to inline skating? So the first lesson is her first one. So it's a trial class. So <laughs> what they do is they teach you how to stomp with your skates on. So stomp, stomp, stomp like a dinosaur <laughs> to make sure you get the feel of your skates on your feet, right? And this is on a uh, layer of carpeted grass. So you get the feeling of being able to walk first before you skate, actually. That's very yeah. lovely. You should try it sometimes. Do you skate? Badly, but yes, I, I will try the stomp, stomp, stomp on some grass first. I think that'll take the fear of falling on my knees away, hopefully. Mm, the carpet's here book as well, so you can bring in your skates. And I'll be stomping tomorrow time. morning, Ryan. We begin this morning with a look at which local companies and directors are buying back or selling their own shares. Overall, institutions were net sellers of Singapore stocks last week, but that didn't stop Keppel from buying nearly 4 million shares of itself in the open market. The infrastructure company paid an average price of $7.24 for those shares, and it has already earned a 2% return on that investment. Keppel currently trades trading at around $7.40 a share. So Ryan Keppel often tops the share buyback tables, but this past week when making its most recent share purchases, a consortium of Keppel businesses also spent $300 million to purchase an 80% stake in a recycling company called 800 Super Holdings. So what do we make about this purchase and of Keppel's overall business right now? Yeah, taking it all in, it does point to how Keppel is in a really strong position. It's eyeing opportunities for growth and in this case is uh, looking at acquisition of 800 Super which is in the waste management business and this is probably something you've seen the trucks going around picking up your trash and garbage uh, so this is an area that Capital is already in and it's pretty much in line with what it wants to do Vision 2030 this is where it is focusing on sustainability and everything else that goes with the green agenda so this is all in line with that and on top of that you've got the share buybacks it's worth noting um, 7 plus dollars is near its 4 year highs so if you think about that, Capital is still buying shares of itself, which shows that it still sees value in itself despite shares trading at uh, relatively high average prices. So it's a strong vote of confidence in that sense that business fundamentals are being built and it sees more value ahead. So it's not uh, holding back on the share buybacks. And I think that's a strong uh, vote of confidence for investors to uh, digest 
The next company on our director's deals this morning is the agri-giant Wilma International. We are seeing some conflicting signs from its market activity this past week. Now, on the one hand, the company is one of the largest purchases of its own shares, coming in second only after Keppel. But we also see that one of Wilma's executive directors, they sold off nearly $1 million of Wilma stock last week. So what do we make of this? Is the director's sale an indication that insiders think it's a good time to cash out of Wilma? Or are the company's own purchases assigned to buy-in? Yeah, that's a very good point, right? When you want to look at how the company is doing, one of the signals to read into is what insiders are doing. In this case, whether they are buying or selling their stock. Because it can, in some certain circumstances or cases, tell you what they feel about the fundamentals or where the future of the company is going. And in this case, one of them is selling. Non-executive director Kwok Kun Hua has disposed over 200,000 shares. Mm -hmm. And that's a value of nearly a million dollars. It brings down his stake slightly to 90 or 0.962% from 0.965%. So marginally down in terms of stake, but it's quite a tidy sum. But with these things, right, you never know why they need the money. Maybe they feel it's time to take profit and they have other more pressing uh, needs for their money, maybe another investment or they want to buy a new house. It could be many things. So in the same token, you shouldn't read too much into it. So it's something you can bring on board and study as a broad basket of indicators of how the market is doing. So in terms of insider plays, that's something you need to keep in mind. Um, There are many reasons why somebody could be selling. Wilma shares are trading just a few cents above their low point for the year at $4.02 a share. That is about 17% below the stock's 52-week high. Now, before we move on, Ryan, did any other companies catch your eye on the share buyback list this week? 25 companies. Yeah, you've got a lot of companies buying back their shares. It does point to how maybe there is a strong vote of confidence among many of them. Uh, Of course, you've got the usual suspects, OCBC, Singtel, Oxley Holdings, some of the names that jump out. And I am looking at one of them called uh, Samudera. So this is a shipping line and its CEO has bought more shares at an average price of $1.02 per share. And this is um, something I think it's worth looking at when you look at how your CEO is buying up more shares. It pretty much shows how aligned the interest of the company is with his own. So it's a strong... Vote of confidence again when you see such as insider buyback happening, uh, in this case for Samudera shipping line. While we're reading the tea leaves really of institutional buying and these director deals, I'd like to turn our attention to a company that we spoke about last week, and that is the Chinese electric vehicle maker BYD. Warren Buffett owns a stake in it, and over the past week, there have been at least two exchange filings indicating that Buffett has trimmed his stake in the company. Ryan, market watchers have been trying to figure out what is behind Buffett's sales of BYD shares. Has he lost faith in BYD or as some analysts are arguing, is it simply old school value investing? What do you think? Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. It's trying to second guess Warren Buffett. So look at what the indications are. You have him trimming his stake from 20.04% to 
0.92%. So you have many ways to read into this. So I guess on the bright side, he didn't sell everything. It's just a marginal uh, trimming or taking uh, profit from the table. And you bear in mind as well that BYD has gained quite a bit since he bought into it back in early 2008. And this has now seen his investment jump from $230 million to eight. Billion dollars. So you have to ask, what will Warren Buffett do? He will probably take some money off the table at the right time. And maybe this is the right time. Maybe he sees the value of BYD not seeing so much upside relative to other things he could do with the money. So one theory is he is seeing something else to do with the money and he's taking some money from here to put it somewhere else. So that's one theory. Of course, the more, I guess, gloomier outlook is how he may be thinking about trimming it all together as he's done with other companies before. So it's going to be something you have to wait for him to do, whether he's going to continue with this share sale or um, whether he's going to just stop here. Let's take a look at BYD's share price. It has taken a tumble over the past month, first on rumours that Buffett might sell, and then again on news that he had actually trimmed his stake in the EV maker. BYD shares are down some 20% over the past month. All right, let's take a look at broader market action. The Dow, S&P 500 and NASDAQ fell 2 to 4% last week. The latest US jobs numbers indicate that growth slowed in August but remained strong. And that provides some hope that policymakers will be able to bring down inflation without a recession. So walk us through the numbers, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag depending on how you read into it. So it did slow down, but by and large, still quite resilient at 315,000 jobs. Pretty much in line with expectations of 318,000. So it's been described as a Goldilocks report where it's not too hot and not too shabby. Uh, pretty much in a sweet spot but maybe just enough for the Federal Reserve to keep in its policy settings status quo and maybe even to hike it at a more aggressive pace and then if you read into the details a bit more the unemployment rate surprised economists by climbing to 3.7% from 3.5% in July so you might be thinking hey unemployment is up that's not a good sign right and then you read into it in more detail that more people went back into the labor force. So effectively, the pool of people available to work was larger. So that's why in this case, you have the unemployment rate going up. And the labor force participation rate rose to 62.4% from 62.1%. So it is, in some sense, good news for companies trying to hire people because now there's more people in that pool to hire. So that's being seen as a sign of resilience for the labour market. Now, of course, the labour market, among the many indicators that the Federal Reserve um, will be trying to digest as it hits into its next FOMC meeting at the end of the month, you have the consumer price index numbers next week as the other major data points that will be closely watched as one of the things that will feed into that decision. Yeah, speaking about that, what else do you think is on investors' radars this week, Ryan? It is going to be a very busy week. And this is, I think, let's start with Monday. You've mm. got, in the next 24 hours, a new UK Prime Minister. So Liz Truss, the Foreign Secretary, is in the lead over former Finance Minister Rishi Sunak. Uh, so this is going to be one to watch because she has promised tax cuts. And with tax cuts, it can be a double-edged sword, right? It frees up more money to be spent in the economy, but that means inflation will go up. 
And that means possibly more problems for the Bank of England, which is already trying to bring down inflation. And this just could mean more pressure on the British pound because when you cut taxes, the government gets less revenue. So in that sense, your fiscal position is weaker. So it just throws up a lot of problems and it's going to be a tough one to see how this plays out. And on top of that, you have what's playing out in Europe where you have a an emergency meeting by many of the policymakers after Russia's Gazprom said it would be cutting gas supplies to Europe and that pretty much raised the prospects of an energy crisis and of course rising prices of energy. So they'll be trying to figure out what to do with um, Russia, what they can do with Russia. Um, so that's going to mean a lot of headlines around um, back and forth tit for tat between mm-hmm. Russia and energy um, ministers in Russia mm-hmm. uh, in Europe and already the euro is under pressure so that is all playing out in the next 24 hours and then you have the rest of the week where you have Philippine Prime Minister or Philippine President Fernando Marcos Jr. visiting Indonesia and Singapore uh, they'll be discussing trade issues as well as possibly economic partnerships And of course, OPEC Plus will be meeting today. So this is one to watch out for because Saudi Arabia has been recently talking about cutting production to tighten supply, to raise prices. All that just on Monday. So I think (laughs) I'll have to fill it in for the rest of the week tomorrow. (laughs) It's a busy week already. China, meanwhile, extending its latest COVID-19 lockdowns. The country is experiencing one of its broadest outbreaks yet, with cases reported from across the country. Let's focus on China, Ryan. What's the latest here? This is uh, almost a sense of deja vu. So this is what... People in Chengdu will be bracing for a repeat of potentially Shanghai. So what we have is lockdowns further tightening there. And this is extending those control measures for at least three more days starting yesterday, Sunday. So the fear here is that a few more days could become a few more weeks like what happened in Shanghai. And in Shenzhen, you have mass testing underway and you have that situation turning into a bit of a more calibrated situation where there is a three-tier system, low, medium and high risk of infection. So as it would suggest, when you have an area of low infection risks, um, you have restrictions pretty much confining people into their um, home compounds. Mm -hmm. And where you have medium risks, uh, this is where you have things like entertainment and KTVs, for example, being restricted and closed. And then, of course, you have the high end of things. So that's playing out. And it's interesting to see how China is shifting to more calibrated measures um, instead of a full-on COVID zero strategy, which is much stricter. So in a sense, people are saying, hey, maybe China's COVID zero strategy is starting to change in its um, substance, in its nuances. So it will be something just um, to watch, interestingly, to see how things will play out for its stance when it comes to COVID-19. All right, keeping the focus on China, it's time for corporate news and a quick game of up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Let's start with Huawei. All right, Huawei is an up for me and this is with a new phone launch and right in the wake or in the eve of the iPhone 14 being launched. So it's pretty much um, taken the lead to do so with its Huawei Mate 50 series. Looks good. It's a foldable phone, isn't it? Yeah, so it is, of course, a battle for China, which is what 
Apple is trying to increase in market share. So Huawei just taking the first mover advantage and taking a challenge to the iPhone maker. Honor has less than 1% of the smartphone market share outside of China. So it's looking at a big fight when you look at how it, 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 it could perform versus Apple and Samsung. So a Huawei spin-off called Honor is going to launch a foldable phone in overseas markets and it's hoping that this phone is going to help it make greater inroads. So I'll give an, an up for Huawei. Meta. All right, Meta is an up for me. So they are in headlines for a partnership with Qualcomm to make custom virtual reality chips for their metaverse applications. Yeah, imagine that. The financial terms of the deal have not been disclosed. I think this should definitely be an up for Qualcomm though. For Meta, I think we'll need to wait and see how these chips pan out really. AMC, Ryan. All right, AMC, I'm going for an up. So over the weekend, we had what's called the nationwide $3 movie ticket, uh, I guess, event that happened in the US. And it showed that a lot of people still want to watch movies. Mm. It drew over 8 million moviegoers. Sales topped over $24 million. And this shows people, or these these cinemas, still have a lot of demand for them. So for AMC, I would put an up for it with the view of how people will probably still go back to cinemas post-COVID-19. I don't know. I think it was a very successful $3 movie day, but there are very few offerings of movies, apparently, um, during this time period. So once you've seen Top Gun, you know, what are you going to go back for? Mm, Top Gun 2 and 3 and 4. <laughs> Which I still haven't seen. <laughs> Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index fell 1.3% last week. Ryan, how are the blue chips doing this morning? And is the SDI starting this week off on a better note or is it adding on to last week's losses? Yeah, Michelle, so far so good. We've got the SDI in the green and across the region, uh, regional markets, which is very subdued so far, pretty much in line. 0.4% in the green at 3,219. Only three counters in the red. At the bottom is Johnny Matheson down 1.3%, followed by SETS and SGX. At the top of the table, we have Maple Tree Logistics Trust, followed by Ascendus Reed, Gunting Singapore, Yangjiang Shipbuilding, ST Engineering, Wilma, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, all of them up at least 1%. So, uh, promising start so far, including the banks all in the green. All right, before I let you go, a couple of other headlines that I want to explore with you, Ryan. First, the one series to rule them all, making Amazon trendy again. Have you watched Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power? Oh, it's on my to-do list. Um, Not yet. All right. The debut, though, uh, got 25 million people attracted to Amazon screens. That's just on its first day of streaming on Amazon. So do you think the series is going to keep up the momentum? No server crashes. That's good news. (laughs) I'm surprised there are no server crashes. 25 million viewers on day one. I imagine it's going to help Amazon bring in a lot more users for their Prime Video service. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think they've changed the interface, at least for the Prime Video service here in Singapore. It's a little easier to toggle through and find what you want. All right, finally, another headline that's caught my eye this Monday morning. Apparently, more companies are using 
surveillance software to track you employees as you work from home. Technology always tries to stay one step ahead, though, don't you think? And so, Ryan, what is the latest device on the market that helps people look like they're working when they're not? Yeah, I think it's interesting to see how technology has evolved. So, You've seen how work from home has become the case for many people and bosses want to keep track of you, right? And sometimes they install software to check if you are working and this will monitor your mouse movements. Are you moving your mouse perhaps or typing some keys to make sure there's you know, somebody at the computer and not you in the kitchen or at the gym or at the <laughs> PlayStation? So this is where what's called the jiggler comes in. And it helps you to move your mouse so that your cursor on the screen moves. So in that sense, somebody who's watching your screen would be thinking, hey, somebody's moving the mouse and maybe the person is at work. So that's how it works. That's it, a mouse jiggler. Oh my goodness, what will they think of next? You've been listening to Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Have a great Monday. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.